Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank and I'm joined by Jeff Ryan, writer of Your Worshipfulness and Spider-Man Father and Son Issues. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be here, Frank. You're releasing two books at once, which is just insanely impressive. Uh, can you go ahead and break down these books for us? Sure. Uh, I had written books about Mickey Mouse and about Super Mario. So I, I hadn't covered the world of comics and I hadn't covered the world of movies. So I wanted to come up with like the best character from all of movies and the best character from all of comics. And I quickly realized, well, the best one is Spider-Man. It's obviously my favorite. And the best character from movies is harder to come up with. But I decided on Princess Leia. So the Princess Leia book is all about Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia. And Leia overshadowed Carrie for most of her life. She was 19 when she made it. So her whole adult life, uh, everyone makes Princess Leia jokes, no matter what she does. And she's done some amazing things that no one knows about. Mm -hmm. And for the Spider-Man side, I wanted to talk about real people, not just about Peter Parker. As great as Peter Parker is, he's not a real person. So yeah. there's uh, a family, John Romita, Sr. and Jr. Sr. started to draw the comics in the 60s after the original creator, Steve Ditko, got moosed out of Marvel. He drew it for about 10 years straight on and off. His son, John Romita Jr., then took over and has been drawing on and off for 30 years straight. It's an wow. incredible story. And they've made so much other stuff at Marvel that you know very well, but you don't know is the work of John Romita Sr. and Jr., I'm so excited to, I mean, just, I've already had my mind blown before we even press record. And so I'm super excited to get in on these books, both of them actually, because like you're saying, uh, Carrie Fisher, I know that she kind of had to live in the shadow of Princess Leia, but I don't think there's enough attention on what she did afterwards. And so I'm excited to hear about that as well. Yeah. One of the uh, many things she did was she was a ghost writer. Uh, she would get brought into uh, screenplays that were being filmed and they needed someone on set to make up all the decisions to uh, to make up new dialogue for people. And she worked on uh, at least a dozen movies, if not more. Part of the deal of being the script doctor, though, was that you weren't credited. So no one actually knows how many of the 90s movies you loved were actually co-written by Carrie Fisher. One of the movies that we actually found out about this, we were so surprised was Hook. She did. Yes. Uh, she worked on that one. And we were like, what? I can't believe Carrie Fisher. And matter of fact, she's in there for a little cameo. It's yeah. super cool. <laughs> yeah. They brought her in to do all of the Tinkerbell scenes because they wanted Tinkerbell to have that sort of Carrie Fisher energy. Yeah. That's good energy for Tinkerbell. That's cool. Uh, yeah. How did you get into this world that you could tell you kind of have that geek background that we love around here? What got you interested in, in writing yourself? I was a cross-spectrum geek. I loved uh, everything, music, movies, comics, you name it. And I lucked into a job uh, at a website during the dot-com era that was doing all of this. And I started off as a copy editor. And then they said, hey, do you want to review video games for us? You can get free video games in the mail every day. And uh, I don't know about you. I said yes to that offer. Yeah. <laughs> free video <laughs> games every day. To this day, if I see a FedEx package, I'm assuming, oh, Konami sent me free video games. That's nice of them. <laughs> and then I opened it up. <laughs> I opened it up and it's never free video games from Konami anymore. <laughs> Once you stop reviewing video games, Konami stops sending you their stuff. It's, it's not, not fair. fair. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you, you you went from there and then you decided, you know, I want to start to branch out on my own. Yeah, I decided I wanted to write the uh, the story of Nintendo because I had uh, 
you can tell most of the story of all of video games starting in like 1980 just by following Nintendo. And you can tell the whole story of Nintendo just by following Mario because Mario, uh, Nintendo tried to treat like it's Mickey Mouse character. Like they wanted him everywhere on everything. It's hard to play a game in the 80s without finding Mario in it somewhere. Like even in Punch-Out, he's the referee in Punch-Out. There's no reason for him to be in that game other than branding. Yeah. I do like the idea of kind of picking one character and then seeing how he affected everything around him and everything affected him as well. That's a pretty interesting way to write a book. I like that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. And then because I had, uh, I had, copied the mario for the yeah because i had copied the uh i'm going to take this a third time and then because i got interested in how nintendo copied the disney format i wanted to see how disney made that format in the first place so i wrote a whole book called a mouse divided about mickey mouse and it turns out there's a story behind there the people are more interesting than mickey himself because Mickey was created not by Walt Disney, but by Walt Disney's best friend and business partner, who very quickly got uh, left the company under uh, under unusual terms. Ub Iwerks, right? Ub Iwerks, yes, man, yeah. you know your animation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unsung hero yeah. Disney, that's right there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so I see there's a bit of a pattern there. You're, you, you've learned something in one of your works and that takes you to the next one. Uh, was there anything that kind of led you into both Spider-Man and into uh, Princess Leia? Well, I had to write something about comics. And for a long time, I wanted to write about Superman because, you know, he's Superman. But uh, there were like four books that came out. Uh, about Superman at the same time. It's like, okay, this is this is a stone that's been bled dry. But no one was writing about Superman. I felt the same way with the, the Super Mario book. Like, why is no one writing a business history of Nintendo? This company is amazing. There's so much good stuff here. I could be an idiot and I could write a good book about this. Side note, I am an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, deciding to write about Spider-Man then led me think, well, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, like Steve Ditko, the artist left after 38 issues, 37 issues and two annuals. So you can't really copy, um, like tell Spider-Man's life story through that if it ends in 1964 or so. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought about like the replacement, like not the original creators, but the guy who steps in and, and sustains his character for the next, you know, four or five generations. What kind of additions? Because every time I think back at Spider-Man, I, I think very, very short a period of time, he's actually in high school. And then after that, he's living his life as an adult. Is that kind of where we see the Romita family come in is where they actually start to develop his life beyond high school? That is one of the reasons why Steve Gitko, the co-creator, ended up quitting because he and Stanley had very different ideas for Spider-Man. Stanley wanted Spider-Man basically to be Archie. He would still be in high school today if Stanley had his uh, had his way. But not only does Steve Gitko disagree about this, he got a plot from Stanley, threw that plot away, and then drew an entire issue where Peter Parker graduates from high school just as a trolling gesture and then sent it in. So it's like, oh, the only thing we can do is publish this because we don't have any other Spider-Man issue. Oh, no, we're graduating our high school star. We have nothing else to do. This is going to kill the character. Oh, but wow. Steve Ditko did not want uh, Peter Parker to be a high school student. He wanted Parker to become this like stalwart hero who was always aspiring higher and higher. Eventually, he was going to like take over the world under the Steve Ditko uh, reign of things. Hmm. But 
Uh, so the, the average neighborhood Spider-Man, sorry, real quick. The average uh, yeah. neighborhood Spider-Man wasn't necessarily the plan from the beginning for, for Steve Ditko? No, no. Steve Ditko uh, was kind of an objectionist. He wanted a flawless hero. And Spider-Man is nothing but flaws. Yeah. Like, you know, when you when you think about Peter Parker, he's always behind on the rent. People are angry at him. People are mad at him. Uh, there's a girl he likes, but he has to ditch her to go fight the Penguin or the, the Riddler or something. Is that right? <laughs> Is that Marvel or DC? Uh, there's a lot of people pushing up glasses really upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Dickos, the only one who control, I control too. Just throwing a Batman villain in there. Yeah. In hindsight, though, that's some of the most memorable parts of Spider-Man is the fact that he is relatable. Yeah, yeah. He's the hero who could be you, and especially with the mask. He could be anyone under there. You know, anyone who, who grew up an undersized kid, which is like all kids, they're looking at Spider-Man thinking, that could be me. Wow, that's definitely me. Yeah, I would say that. I I. Uh, make those sorts of jokes i wouldn't be scared but of course he's scared that's where the jokes are coming from yeah yeah so with uh the ramita family how did they try to take stan lee's idea and evolve it with ditko's idea one of the things that they did was focus on um the more real world aspects of spider-man's life all of steve get all of Steve Ditko's villains are basically mad scientists of one stripe or another. And John Romita grew up in the tenements of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. All of his uh, villains, like the Kingpin, like uh, like Hammerhead, they're all like gangsters and mob enforcers. Mm -hmm. So it's much more uh, realistic and, and brutal. Interesting. Yeah, there's a big shift right there. That's interesting. Yeah. What are some and of those? Go ahead. Oh, and John was the one who ultimately had the idea that Gwen Stacy is getting kind of boring. We need to spice up this comic. Let's have the Green Goblin kill her. Throw her oh off the bridge. Oh, my God. One of the most infamous scenes in, in all of uh, Spider-Man. Yes, that is the official end of the Silver Age, uh, the death of Gwen Stacy. And it yeah. is because of John Romita deciding, yeah, I think we should do this. It'll make uh, people interested in the comic. Just not well known enough as well. You were mentioning some of the other characters that they created. Can you kind of shotgun some of those out so people can get their minds blown real quick alongside me? Okay. John Romita co-created, in addition to Hammerhead and the Kingpin, and uh, let's see, there's a guy named The Punisher who has had a couple movies <laughs> and a Netflix show. There's a guy named Luke Cage who also had a Netflix okay. show. And uh, who's... Who's he's a minor character in the X Men, but he is like knife hands. Was his uh, <laughs> what's his name? It's it's like a little animal, like a weasel. No, no, Wolverine. That's right. He co-created Wolverine. Oh my god! Literally one of my two favorite superheroes of all time. That is so freaking cool. And I didn't even know who created him. That's that kind of is a shame, actually. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna definitely be picking up father and son issues. Uh, Oh, man, the name too. The title of the book is perfect. Uh, let's shift over to Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, learn more about her as well. What are some of the things that Carrie Fisher struggled with after her uh, you know, 19-year-old role as Princess Leia? Uh, she always had an issue with mental health. And mm -hmm. one of the ways that she ended up becoming not just the the on-screen hero, but an off-screen hero was she went public with this. And she wasn't just saying that, you know, I take antidepressants once in a while. She was saying, I have a serious mental illness. And 
uh, there are a lot of people out there who are dealing with mental illness and some are dealing with severe mental illness and they saw themselves in her, in her manic periods and her depressive periods. There were days where she would stay up all night and not sleep. And there would be other days where she couldn't get out of the bed. And this impacted her life very severely. This was the big thing in her life, not Princess Leia. And and the fact that she was able to uh, go public with it and, and champion mental health causes made her a hero more than fictional Leia. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, she, she champions mental health and becomes a hero in that way. Princess Leia inspires a generation of women growing up and uh, such an impactful life. And I hope, I hope she knew how impactful she was on people. She was. She started to go to conventions uh, when the sequels came out and she would always brush things off. If there were people who came up to her with tears in her eyes, she'd be like, oh, you, you know, you must have really liked the Star Wars movies. And like, no, I, I don't even care about the Star Wars movies. I love you, Carrie. That's amazing. Oh, so amazing. Uh, what other uh, career choices did she make? You were talking about Ghost Rider. What else did she do in her career afterwards? She was on Broadway a couple of times. She has a phenomenal singing voice, and she never wanted to go into that field because her mom was one of the the biggest musical stars of the 1950s, Debbie Reynolds, and she didn't want to follow in her mom's footsteps that directly. So uh, she held on to her pipes, and most people didn't hear her sing, but she can sing like Ethel Merman. Like, mm-hmm. it's that loud and brassy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, I... Tuesday, I still miss her whenever we have, you know, her birthday come up or something like that. It's a good time to stop and think about her. And uh, this will be another another piece of that puzzle. Both books coming at the same time. You have a bit of a challenge. Let's let's share this challenge and let's see if we can have anybody step up to the action. What are you what are you debating with these two book releases? I'm trying to see if there are more Disney fans out or if, if well, they're all Disney fans because Disney owns yeah, them actually, both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to see if there are more Star Wars fans or Marvel fans out there. Like most people like both of them or love both of them. But if you had to come down to it, which one are you more of a head for? Are you are you living in the Outer Rim or are you living in the Daily Bugle? Oh, now, of course, <laughs> of course, if you want to support both books, I have no problem with that. If you are a uh, hashtag team Leia and hashtag team Spidey, great, go ahead. But if you only have to pick one, that's okay as well. Uh, pick the one that speaks to you more. Now, Peter Parker would pick up both books. I'm just saying, guys, you might want to be <laughs> be like Peter Parker. Uh, your other your, your previous books, where can people get those? Are those on Amazon or something like that? Yeah, they're both on Amazon and Audible, and oh, hopefully Audible. these oh, will be on Audible also. Yeah, yeah, the audiobooks have been doing pretty well. For the audio uh, version, do you do the narration on those? No, they hire much more professional people for this, and I'm aiming to have audiobooks for both of these also. Uh, okay. Again, I won't be doing the audio on that. I have friends who've recorded their own books and they said, you know, I used to like my writing. I used to think I did a, a good book. And then I sat in a room for a week and a half and just <laughs> read my mistakes over and over and over again. Oh, God. Oh, that's torturous right there. I figure because, you know, we have a lot of podcast listeners, presumably they would like to get the audio book version of this as well. Uh, make it an easy read and easy listen. Um you guys got to check these books out. I'll make sure to be sharing often when these are available. Um, Your Worshipfulness, Spider-Man, Father and Son Issues. Those are excellent. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Frank. 
and say hi to all of the geek freaks. All right. I appreciate that. All right, guys, we will see you guys next week for another interview. Have a good one.